Welcome to today's online worship experience. I'm Pastor Anthony, and you made our day when you logged on. We're so excited to have you, especially for the guys of North Park, because today is Father's Day, and we celebrate not just the men, but all the dudes of North Park Church. You guys are so incredible. I want you to know as your brother in the Lord, I am so grateful for you. Uh, in fact, I wore my dad's shirt today in honor of you. I only wear this shirt on special occasions. And so I thought today was a very fitting day as we honor you. I want you to know that you mean the world to us. We love you and we are cheering you on. And as we continue in our series today, Everyday Disciple, why don't you secure your Bible? Um, you can also go to your YouVersion Bible app, hit the event button in the menu, type in North Park Church, and all of today's scriptures and notes are gonna be right there for you. Let's dive in together, Everyday Disciple. Years ago, I was speaking to a group of middle school students in a public middle school, doing some character education, and I asked the question, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I allowed the students to give some feedback and you can imagine the responses that I expected to receive. I expected to hear students say, I wanna be a doctor, an astronaut, a lawyer, a business owner, a nurse. Well, those aren't exactly the responses that I received at all. Everyone wanted to be either a professional athlete or a YouTube sensation, a YouTuber. Now, professional athletes, I get. Who doesn't wanna be a professional athlete? To this day, I hold on to the fact that I still have four years of NCAA eligibility. I still have a dream of being a college athlete going to, to the pros. I, I think my time has passed, but I still hold on to that. But at that time, I had no idea what a YouTuber even was. How can you make money putting videos on a free site? Now, if you're wondering if there's money to be made on YouTube, I did a little research. Now here's what I found. The following are the top earners on YouTube and are estimated incomes for 2021. First one is called Ryan's World. And Ryan's World is another child YouTube channel that is dominating in views. Estimated income, $26 million this year. In fact, Nine-year-old Ryan is the highest paid YouTuber so far. He makes $26 million, but that's nothing compared to Ryan's World annual retail sales of $200 million at stores including Walmart and Target. Did you catch the fact that he's nine years old? The second is called Dude Perfect. Now I'll be honest, I'm actually a Dude Perfect fan. Uh, this is a group of friends from high school obsessed with the perfect basketball shot. And they do all of these different types of sports trick shots. These five guys, Garrett, Cody, Tyler, and the Cotton Twins, have made it into the Guinness Book of World Records a few times. And they've had stars like Serena Williams and Aaron Rodgers. They have so much fun when they're together. It's fun to watch on YouTube. And they're having a really good time because they're raking in over $20 million on YouTube. The third is Nastia. And Nastia is bringing in $18 million a year. Nastia is a child YouTuber also who started on YouTube in 2016, 
creating unboxing videos. Today, her channel is all about her everyday life and her dad as a sidekick. What did I say? Unboxing toys for other people to see and they make $18 million doing it. So if you wanna know what I'm gonna be doing for the rest of the week, you'll find me making YouTube videos. I don't know about what, but I'll figure it out because there's a lot of money to be made. I was blown away by this information that I discovered. So obviously what fueled these middle school students to wanna to be YouTube sensation is there's a lot of money to be made doing it. But let me ask you a question. What fueled your decision for the career path that you chose. Maybe you're not a YouTube sensation, but why did you choose the career path that you chose? Maybe you were influenced by a family member or a friend. My dad was a pastor. I have two uncles that were pastors, or are pastors. I have two cousins that have been uh, in, in ministry. So it wasn't a shock to anyone when I chose that path as well. Obviously God called me to do ministry and God called me to be a pastor. There was a lot of influence in my family for that direction as well. My favorite comedian, Nate Bargetsy, has a joke in one of his comedy specials. He said, my dad is a magician and before that he was a clown. One day when I was a kid, he drove up in the yard dressed like a clown and the Easter bunny got out of the passenger side of the car. Some people ask how you get started in comedy. That's a pretty good push right there. So I don't know what it is that pushed you down the career path that you chose, but there's probably a reason that you chose that path. Other than outside influences, some choose a career path because of money. Maybe you wanna make a lot of it. And so you decided to choose a career where you felt like you could make a lot of money. Other people choose careers because it gives them a purpose. Maybe you chose to be a police officer or a firefighter or a nurse or even a teacher because you just wanted to serve someone and have fulfillment by doing so. A lot of us choose career paths that way. A global poll conducted by Gallup uncovered that out of the world's 1 billion full-time workers, only 15% of people are engaged at work. That means that an astronomical 85% of people are unhappy with their jobs, not fulfilled. Let me ask you, what about you? How do you view your job? Are you fulfilled? Are you challenged? When you think about going to work, do you look forward to Monday or do you dread it? Are you like the person who sang the song, I'm ready to take this job? and shove it, boom, boom, ain't working here no more, right? Maybe you just be ready to be done with it. But rather than seeing your job as a way to be paid, I challenge you, look at it as an extension of your faith. We spend a lot of time on our jobs. So let's talk about how our role as a disciple every day should impact the way that we do our jobs. As we started this series, Everyday Disciple, we gave a definition. Let's remember last week what we defined disciple as. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, lives like Jesus, and help others to do the same. Obviously that applies at church. Obviously that applies in our home. But how does that look on our job? What does it look like to follow Jesus, live like Jesus, and help others to do the same. Can we actually do that in our careers, in our vocation? Well, today we're gonna to discover we can. 
So let's look at two passages that seem very familiar and similar as we read them. Colossians 3, verses 22 through 24. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. And remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving is actually Christ. It's Jesus. Now we read the same words almost verbatim in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 9. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all of the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. All right, let's talk about the elephant in the room. When we read those verses of scripture, obviously our minds go to the fact that we're talking about slaves here. Why does the Bible talk about slavery like it's normal and an acceptable practice? Why doesn't it actually say in those verses, thou shalt not have slaves? That would make a lot more sense to us, right? Well, according to Tim Keller, the concept of slavery here in these passages of scripture in Paul's day, this is Paul's writing, the concept of slavery here isn't the same as what we know as slavery in our early history in the United States. The definition of slavery in this passage looks a lot more like we know as indentured servitude. Uh, slavery in Paul's time, this is very important, was not race-based and it was seldom lifelong. Uh, these indentured servants were men and women who signed a contract, also known as an indenture or a covenant, by which they agreed to work for a certain number of years in exchange for food, clothing, and shelter. In a lot of situations, they were actually treated so much better in these environments and had it much better off in these environments, and they could actually buy their way out of that contract and, and, and their freedom. And many did that. So let's really focus on the fact that this is a different type of slavery situation than what we know of in our history in the United States, which was, which was a travesty, right? So let's pay close attention to the wording that's used in these passages. Colossians 3, look at what it says. It says that we should serve sincerely. It says that we should work willingly at whatever we do. It says that we should work as though we're working for the Lord rather than for people. Ephesians 6 says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Here's my thought. If someone who is considered a slave or an indentured servant is to work in this manner, how much more should we strive to do so in our lives today? 
as we seek to follow Jesus and live like Jesus and help others do the same, as we do that in our communities, as we're trying to pastor our city, how much more should we use these opportunities to work for the Lord rather than for the people who are signing our paychecks? You have the incredible opportunity to show the world something beautiful every day on your job as you serve others sincerely, work willingly at whatever you do, work with enthusiasm and doing it as though you're working for the Lord rather than for the people who are signing your paycheck. So whether that's people that are employees or customers or people that are co-workers, like you serve, let the people around you while you're working your job, see the love of Jesus in you. You are a marketplace missionary. You're pastoring your city. And what better place to do that than on your job? So whether you're in a classroom or a doctor's office or in a cubicle or in a construction site, serve people around you. Recognize that you're pastoring a city. You are a missionary. How do you do that? In a very practical sense, you serve them sincerely. Loving people, being patient with people, listening to them, building them up, following Jesus, living like Jesus, and quite frankly, helping others to do the same. That applies to your marketplace just as much as it does to your church and to the people that you call family. Your career should be an extension of your faith. We're not checking our faith in when we walk in the classroom. We're not checking our faith in when we walk into our marketplace career. I mean, think about that. We are to serve people where we are and point people to Jesus, no matter what it is that we're doing day after day. I've seen people live this out in my life throughout the years. I'll never forget when Marianne and I decided to buy a home for the very first time. And we had to go sit in a lawyer's office. And we had a lawyer who got up from his table and he came and sat right in front of us. And this is what he said. He said, I know this is a really big decision for you guys. And I can tell that this is stressing you guys out a little bit. How about we just pray that the Holy Spirit would open these doors for you and that the Lord would give you direction as you walk into this new opportunity, that God would bless this home that you guys are buying. And he just prayed this powerful prayer over us. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And it blew my mind. Like we certainly don't think about lawyers praying with people, but man, this guy was a follower of Jesus. He was living like Jesus and he was helping others do the same. I've been in um, doctor's offices where nurses and, and doctors and physician's assistants cared for us in such a powerful way. We've had doctors pray for us. But you don't just have to pray with people to love them and point them to Jesus. You might be in an environment where that's not even possible. But we've seen people care for us and walk with us through some of life's most difficult situations and do so in a way we could see the love of Jesus in their life. They didn't have to say it. They didn't have to quote scripture to us. But just the way that they cared for us, the way that they talked to us, the amount of time that they invested in our life, it was so obvious that these were followers of Jesus who were living like Jesus and helping others do the same. 
We have a, a friend that is a school teacher in an elementary classroom. And I love to hear him talk about his students because he loves them so much. And he said one day that as he passes out an assignment and he walks from desk to desk, just making sure that kids are doing what they need, asking questions that they may have, that he often will just kind of kneel down at their desk and put a hand on their shoulder. And while he's there, it seems as if he's looking at them doing their work. But he said, I'm just in my mind. I'm praying over them. I'm praying for their families. And I literally walk around that room in a class period and I will touch every kid on their shoulder and I will pray God's best in their life. What a beautiful thing that is. He recognizes that he is there to shape young men and women, but not just their minds, but their heart as well. What's he doing? He's following Jesus, living like Jesus, and in his way, helping other people do the same. These people don't see their career as a job. They see it as a calling, a calling to love, a calling to serve, and a calling to point people to Jesus. The Latin word vocare means to call. And it's the root of our common word, vocation. Today, vocation is too often something that we refer to as a job that we get a paycheck for. But that wasn't the original meaning or purpose of that concept. Your career will be nothing more than a job you show up to if you see it as a means to a paycheck. You're just making a living. If you're showing up every day only to serve yourself and get that check or get that promotion and get that accolade, then it's never going to be more than a job to you. And honestly, th that way of living, that way of doing our work, slowly crushes a person. And as one author put it, actually undermines society itself. However, if we work as we're doing this for the Lord and it's our mission to serve others and point people to Jesus. That is so much more than a job. That's a calling. That's a purpose. And that's worth showing up to work on Monday for. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. Paul says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer, right? Following Jesus living like Jesus and pointing other people to him. Paul says you should do that in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to you, just as God has called you. Paul counsels us that when a person becomes a Christian, a follower of Jesus, it's unnecessary to change what they're currently doing in life, their marital state, their job, their social station, in order to live their lives before God in a way that pleases him. Now, let's be clear. If you are doing something that vocationally violates God's word, then obviously there needs to be a change in your life and the direction that your life is, is headed. Um, maybe you would say, Pastor, my pole is my pulpit. I don't think that works. I, I'm just going to leave that right there. Like there may be some jobs that uh, don't honor Jesus and you might need to correct that. But Paul is saying, like, you don't just have to go out and change everything because you're a follower of Jesus. Wherever you are, let that be an assignment where you can point people to Jesus. And Paul uses two words that are pretty important. Called and assigned. Called and assigned. We find both of those words in that passage. God has called you 
into a saving relationship with him and he has assigned you spiritual gifts to do that ministry and help others follow him. If we understand that we have been called by God and know the love that God has for us in Christ, then we will be compelled by that love to serve other people. And we're also going to be assigned the spiritual gifts and equipped with what we need to carry that purpose out. I've heard a lot of Christian people say something like this. I wish I was in full-time ministry. And what they're saying is, I want to be in vocational ministry. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a youth pastor. I want to be a worship leader or something like that. I want to be very clear with you. It doesn't matter what vocation you choose as a follower of Jesus. You are in full-time ministry. No matter what job you've chosen, no matter what career path you may be following, you have the chance to follow Jesus, live like him and help others do the same. I want to share with you something about me that many of you may not know. My undergraduate degree is not in leadership or pastoral ministry. My master's is in leadership and administration, but my undergrad, elementary education. My first job was teaching fourth and fifth grade math and science. Before I was Pastor Anthony, I was Mr. Braswell. And my biggest strength was dodgeball, and I was great at it. Uh, I used dodgeball as more of discipline. You know, my kids would say, well, we've been bad today. We're probably not going to get to play dodgeball. And I was like, oh, no, you're playing dodgeball because you've been bad. I remember one day this kid was in front of me going, hey, Mr. Braswell, you can't hit me. You can't hit the broad side of a barn. And so I threw that dodgeball at him with everything I had within me. And he was right. I couldn't, but I did hit the girl behind him. <laughs> and she was on a crutch and I knocked her down. I wasn't as compassionate as I should be. I walked over her and was like, why are you playing dodgeball when you got a broken leg? And now your arms hurt. And that may be why I'm not teaching today. But I was so frustrated when I was a teacher because I wanted to be in full-time ministry. I wanted to be a youth pastor. And what I couldn't see because I was so blind is I was the only male influence in so many of those kids' lives. I was the only man in that school with the exception of someone in maintenance that the kids didn't get to interact with all the time. But I was a teacher and I had over a hundred kids who would walk in my classroom every single day. Some of them I didn't even teach, but they would just come in because God had given us a great relationship. And, and I love those kids and they love me. They love being around me. And some of those people desperately needed my influence in their life. But I wanted to be in full-time ministry. What I didn't realize was I was in full-time ministry and I squandered it. And so I didn't even finish out that year. I quit in the middle of that year and went and sat in a church office by myself as a full-time youth pastor. When as a full-time teacher, I was surrounded by people who needed the love of Jesus in their life. If I could go back and redo that, that's like in the top five things of my life I wish I could go back and redo. Honestly, I'd have spent a lot more teaching than just those few months. I squandered an opportunity to love people with the love of Jesus. Now let's stop and reflect for a moment. What are you called to do? What spiritual gifts, what talents has God assigned to you to help you carry out that calling or purpose? Identify it. Spend some time this week reflecting on it and write it down. Share that with a friend, a spouse, or someone in your life group. 
you have the opportunity to impact the people that you are around every single day with the love of Jesus. Don't squander that opportunity because you want to do something else like I wanted to do. If there's a door that God opens for you later, fine. But wherever you are, be there and share the love of Jesus with people. Serve them, love them. My wife spent time one day writing down her personal mission statement. I want to share it with you. This was Mary Ann's personal mission statement. My mission is to inspire others to discover and achieve their purpose, creating incredible memories along the way, first at home, but then in the rest of the world. And boy, did she do that well. One of my proudest moments of my wife was walking down the hallway with her one day at Keller Williams where she was working at the time. A coworker walked by her in the hallway after we ate lunch one day. And I heard Mary Ann say, hey, how are you doing? And the man passed this by and said, I'm okay. And she just stopped and she turned away and she called him by name again. And she said, hey, I don't believe you. You can lie to me or you can tell me the truth, but that's your choice. And he just looked at her and right there in that hallway, in front of me and God, everybody else, he just took a big deep breath and he dropped a bomb on her right there in that hallway. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I'd seen or heard. And I looked at my wife and I looked at him and she looked at me and she looked at him and she said, I'll see you at home. I've got some talking to do. And she walked him in her office. She sat down. She listened to him. She cried with him and she prayed with him. Why would she do that? Because her mission was to inspire others to discover and achieve their purpose, even at work. And because she did that day in, day out, she developed trust with the people that she served and that she loved. And when they needed something in their life, she was a person that they trusted enough to go to. And what did she do? Well, she followed Jesus. She did her best to live like Jesus and help others do the same. You know, there's a lot of people who think, I can't bring God into the workplace. I'm sorry. As a follower of Jesus, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You aren't leaving him at the door. But you're taking his presence with you, his love, his influence with you wherever you go. And I'm not telling you to stand on a stool in your workplace and just preach Jesus to everybody that walks into your space. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that you love them, that you serve them, that you do your job well, you do it with enthusiasm, and you do it as though you were doing it for the Lord and not for the people that are paying your check. And when you live life that way, not only is that more fulfilling to you, life-changing to the people that you're working with and serving, but it also brings glory and honor to Him. God has called you to be a lifelong follower of Jesus. And yep, that's at church. And that is certainly when you're at home. But it's also when you step foot into the place that you call work. And I guarantee you when you begin to work that way, when you begin to live that way, Monday looks a lot different. Let's go change the world for him. Let's go pastor our city. Father, thank you so much for the 
jobs that you've given to us. Thank you for the vocation that you have called us to. And thank you for the gifts, the spiritual gifts and the talents that you've put in our life to equip us to do what you've called us to do. May we find purpose in our jobs. May we not just look at our work as a means to an end, but Lord, an opportunity to serve and point people to you. God, I pray that you would open doors in our lives that would give us great influence in the lives of people that we come in contact with. Whether that's serving at home or whether that's serving people in our community or that's serving people in our workplace. God, wherever we are, may we be a disciple every day, following you, living like you and pointing people to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Means the world to us that you would invite us to celebrate Father's Day with you. So we honor your family today and those men that are in your life. Man, we just are so thankful for you all. We love to make an investment in your life. And one way that you can do that is hit the digital connect card. We've got some great information that we'd like to give you. You can head over to northparkrdu.com to do that. Also, we'd love to pray for you about anything going on in your life. Get you plugged into a life group, introduce you to the ministries of North Park Church. We want you to be a part, an active part of this family. You were loved and we want to cheer you on. And we also want to thank you for your investment in North Park Church. Uh, if you'd like to invest in the mission to build lifelong followers of Jesus, just hit that online giving button. And we want to thank you in advance for your generosity, especially in this season. I want to remind you that we are meeting in person each week at Riverbend Middle School, and we would love to have you join us. Bring somebody with you and let's celebrate together next Sunday. Have a great week. Please know that you are loved and we are cheering you on.